This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. You know what? Thursday night at Target Center was a night to remember, a night for the ages. Started out for all the right reasons, ended for all the wrong reasons. Going to talk all about Timberwolves versus Memphis, Game 3, and the meltdown that ensued. I'll have Chris Hine checking in with a voicemail from the wee hours of Friday morning. I talked with Chip Scoggins about the game as well, play some post-game audio from Carl Anthony Towns, from Chris Finch, from D'Angelo Russell, and have plenty of thoughts on my own. Bottom line is, Wolves lose 104-95, but how we got there is so much more interesting than the final score. You know, I was at the game, and... I saw the fans pregame were just absolutely lit up. They were ready for playoff basketball. The first playoff game at Target Center for the Wolves in four years. There was only two playoff games in that 2018 season at Target Center as the Wolves lost that series to Houston in five games. So really, in terms of anticipation, there hadn't been a lot of moments at Target Center because you remember... Before that, the last playoff series was 2004 when they went all the way to the Western Conference Finals, and that year certainly eclipsed anything we've seen since then. But the crowd was into it. The crowd was ready. The crowd was live. The crowd was you know, energized by the Timberwolves' start to that game. Wolves got out to an 8-0 lead in the first two minutes dominated to the point that there was 47 to 21 in the second quarter 26 point lead and you're thinking okay I start to allow myself to daydream a little bit start to allow myself to look around and see Justin Jefferson in the front row start to see uh you know uh Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez new owners of the team not too far away Craig Kilborn of TV fame sitting next to them not too far away. Bill Bicey, the program-slapping gentleman from way back in the day, was not far away either as a, as a member of the crowd. The whole gang was kind of back together again, old and new, famous people in the building. And I let myself think, what would Saturday night be like if the Wolves could hold on to that lead if the Wolves could go up 2-1 to one in this series and then have a 9 o'clock Saturday home game with a chance to go up 3-1 in the series. Downtown Minneapolis would have been absolutely bonkers um, with everybody having a chance to pregame, as it were, for a 9 o'clock start. Um, so I was just thinking about what the atmosphere was and could be like for that game, even as this game was happening. Silly me, because almost immediately after I thought that, Memphis went on a run that cut the Wolves' lead to seven at halftime, right? Um, but at that point, you're still thinking, okay, they're up seven. You get They had to feel relatively good about some of the things they were doing at that point. And you had to think, okay, you know, not the end of the world. You can still kind of recover from that if you kind of make some adjustments at, at, adjustments at halftime, which they did because they come out at 
of the break at halftime and start doing the same things they did at the start of the first quarter. They blitz Memphis. The defense is suffocating. They're not letting John Morant get anything in the paint. And all of a sudden, the lead is up to 25 again late in the third quarter. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, all it takes is a professional effort in the final 14 or 15 minutes and you are going to get this thing to the finish line. You are on the cusp. You have a win probability of 98, 99%, somewhere in there, according to all the models that everyone's probably seen by now. And then it all falls apart. The it, it, the roof does not literally collapse like it did at the Metrodome you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago, but it falls in figuratively. Memphis chips away at the lead at the end of the third quarter to the point that the Wolves are only up by 16, but still a 16-point lead going into the fourth quarter of an NBA game where you're at home and have been the better team for most of the night feels like a pretty good thing until Memphis scores the first 16 points of the fourth quarter and suddenly it's 83-83 and everybody in the building knows it's uh uh-oh, here we go again. This is Minnesota sports. This is the Timberwolves. What just happened? Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. And from there, I'm not going to say it was just a formality or a matter of time, but it kind of felt that way, right? Tyus Jones, the Apple Valley standout, former Timberwolves player, the guy that they wouldn't pay a few years ago to stick around and be on the team, hit a couple big threes during that run. I believe he hit the three-pointer that put Memphis ahead for the first time, and I do not believe Memphis trailed from that point forward. At one point, their edge in the third quarter was, I believe, 37-9. to 37-9 in the fourth quarter. Uh, until Anthony Edwards hit a basically meaningless three at the very end of that quarter. So Wolves scored, I think, 39 points in the first quarter, 12 in the second quarter, 32 points in the third quarter, and 12 in the fourth quarter. You cannot close out the second and fourth quarters with 24 combined points. Just an inexcusable stretch of basketball for the Timberwolves on so many levels. Now, again, I don't want to rant and rave. I don't want to just talk about this, but there's many things we need to get to in the context of this. Let's hear from head coach Chris Finch first before we get into the particulars of Carl Anthony Towns and what happened again to him. Well, I mean, uh, you know, 12 points, we, you know, in the, the fourth quarter for sure didn't help, but this, we had the three straight turnovers, then the third, um, you know, the, the, the rebounds on the free throw, you know, just all those, those things are just critical. We needed that cushion, um, especially when we weren't making shots or getting any, any looks at the other end of the floor. So now Finch took some heat and rightfully so from a lot of fans who said, why didn't you call a timeout when Memphis was on this big run? Why not try to stem that tide? Why not, uh, you know, 
get get into the huddle get yourself your favorite play get you know get yourself a basket get this thing get this momentum turned back around before it gets completely out of hand and i think that's a fair criticism he did address that briefly here's here's how he addressed that post game well i was you know it burned a lot early so i was hoping that uh, we would just be able to kind of get through to the fourth um, a little bit deeper beforehand so but if I think if, if if there's a criticism of Chris Finch in that game, it's certainly that, and it's an inability to counter whatever Memphis started doing in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. And whether it's tactical, whether it was emotional, I'm not sure. But that that is where I think Chris Finch gets a, his share of the blame. Now, Carl Anthony Towns certainly gets his share of the blame as well. Foul trouble again for Carl Anthony Towns. Picked up, you know, some cheap, easy fouls. Got his fifth foul, had to come out of the game. Um, had a fourth foul early. So that was part of what sparked Memphis's run, right? That the Towns couldn't stay on the floor. He did end up playing 33 minutes, which is a little bit better than some of the other nights he's been in foul trouble. Defensively, I thought he was excellent, to be honest. He had five block shots, really controlled the paint. I mean, Memphis only had 104 points in this game. That is something you will live with pretty much every game. The Wolves had held them in check through three quarters. Uh, you know, Memphis only had 67 points through three quarters. I thought Towns on the defensive end probably gets more credit than we were, we're going to give him today just because of everything else that happens. But he only attempted four field goals the whole night. And Maybe some of that's by design, right? That if Memphis is going to double-team him, his job is to, to make the game easy, back it out, find the open guy, and let them exploit that. And that's fine. That helped, that helped them build a couple of big leads. What's not excusable is this. A, continuing to get into foul trouble in games like this with cheap, dumb fouls maybe one or two of them is borderline I don't care you put yourself in a position you're constantly whining to referees where you can get yourself into foul trouble that is a bad situation and two only taking four shots in this game I don't care if you're getting double teamed you're not the first person in the world to get double teamed you're not the hundredth good player to get double teams in a playoff game You've got to find a way to fight through that, especially when you get to crunch time and you need a basket. Your team is floundering and you're still passing it off. You're, you travel one time when, you, when you're indecisive. It was an inexcusable stretch, especially for Carl Anthony Towns at the end. And this is just more of the same from him, unfortunately. This is, you know, this is a continuation of what happened against the Clippers the other night in that uh, play-in game. This is a continuation of what happened in Game 2 against the Grizzlies in Memphis when the Wolves you know, lost any semblance of opportunity. They had to go up 2-0 in this series when things got out of hand and Towns did not have a good game in that one. Only took seven shots in that game. Carl Anthony Towns needs to find another gear, needs to find himself in this moment, needs to want to stay on the court and contribute because right now it does not look like he wants to do any of those things, at least on the offensive end. Um, if he's just executing the game plan, if he's frustrated by that, I don't know. This was an interesting exchange he had here. Let's listen to Towns uh, talking a little bit here um, about uh, – when he got asked, uh, when he got asked about those four field goal attempts, four shots for you. Just what did you see out there, and why did it? Why was it so hard Next for you question. to get the ball? Uh, do you have to be better with the foul trouble? 
uh, in staying out of foul or how did you feel that that part of it go? Just uh, try my best, try my best to impact the game. Um, I'm going to paint, try to block everything. That's what the guards ask for and I wasn't obliged by it. So anytime they come in the paint, making it, you know, life hell for anyone, job around anybody coming to paint, try to block everything, make sure I control the paint. Um, rebound, if not, if I can't get the rebound, then make sure that I box everyone out so Vando could get it. And he was fabulous in doing that. Um, you know, getting all those rebounds with people getting boxed out, throwing out of bounds from me. So just um, doing whatever it takes to win and whatever we ask. You know. So that was interesting to me as well. Um, I don't know. Something was weird with this team, that the body language was off for some of this game. Even when they were up, they were kind of barking at each other, especially on the offensive end. It seemed like there was some frustration setting in there for sure. Um, but here, I, I want to be done talking for a little while. I asked Chris Hine to send me a voicemail, Timberwolves beat writer, just kind of with his thoughts on what he saw and where the team goes from here. Where to begin and where to go from here? Two questions that I really don't have an answer to um, for the Timberwolves after their game three collapse, choke job, whatever you whatever you want to term it is appropriate because I can't recall a team in a playoff game lose a 26-point lead, almost all of it, rebuild it back to 25 in the second half, and then lose that. I just I just sat there kind of dumbfounded, like I think a lot of people did um, watching that game. Just it, it was unreal how the Wolves came in and out of that game like they were going in and out of a coma, essentially. Um, <laughs> after the game, they tried to put as positive of a spin on it as they could. I don't know how you can do that, but they did. Um, <laughs> they tried to, at least. Uh, I don't know where they go from here. It really felt like this series swung to Memphis. I, you know, fully expect Memphis to win in five or six games now. Um, it just feels like the series turned tonight. The, it was up in the air, and the Wolves had it there. They had the ability to take control of the series, and they let it go. This is a team that has had issues managing its emotions at different points in the season. You know, they have old habits of getting too complacent with success. It, I thought they had eliminated that. They had a lot of win streaks this year where they were able to put aside one win and get another one. Uh, you know, they sometimes let the emotions with the officials get to them. Carl Anthony Towns specifically, you saw that again, and I think a lot, a lot of Carl's fouls tonight were, were unnecessary and entirely preventable. And they were fouls. <laughs> a lot of them were fouls. Um, he's just got to be better at that. Um, offensively, you know, he only had four shot attempts. It, it was fine when everybody else was hitting shots, but then they just disappeared for the almost the entire second quarter and the entire fourth quarter. 
I've never seen I've never seen them play a game like this um, all season. They never played a game like this. Um, just just incredible the way the swings of emotions in this game, and they couldn't handle it. They could they they couldn't handle it. it got tight. Uh, halftime was a good reset for them. Um, maybe they figured some things out, but once it started getting tight again in the fourth quarter, that was it. They had no answer. Um, it really felt like the wolves of old in, you know, whether you, you know, whether you want to go back several years or just in recent years, it did feel like the wolves of old. And, uh, I really do think this series took a big swing in Memphis's direction tonight because the wolves just couldn't, couldn't manage their emotions. They couldn't, they couldn't avoid getting complacent and, this is what happens. They end up losing. Good points, all of them, by Chris. You know, I, I don't know where they go from here. Chip, Chip Scoggins and I will get into that here in just a moment after I talk about D'Angelo Russell a little bit. But, you know, it, it's going to be hard for them to come back from that. Just, you know, the way they lost that game, the the momentum that, that shifted in that game. I don't know what the energy is going to be like at Target Center on Saturday night, but it sure is going to be a lot different, of course, than if they had won that game. D'Angelo Russell was very good in this game. 9 of 21 from the field. You know, he missed a few shots late, but 22 points, um, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, finishes on the plus side of the ledger. One of the only plus players along with Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, you know, it's just a, 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 a good, a good D-Lo game, and he, he seems to be the one guy on this team. Maybe Anthony Edwards gets some credit for this too because I think Ant – is the right mix of emotions. But D'Angelo Russell had an interesting comment after the game about how this team gets too high or too low sometimes and how they need to be a little bit more even-keeled and keep doing the things that got them to grow those big leads instead of panicking when those leads start to disappear. So I want to play a post-game clip from D'Angelo Russell right now talking about that. Uh, I think the emotion in the building should be the only emotion from our team. I think... um you know, when we get too high, you know, it comes back and it, and it, and it haunts us. You know, uh, losses, try not to get too low, you know, things like that. So when we're making runs and doing that and we're at home, I think we should be uh, even kill and um, stay locked into that moment and what we're doing to get to this feeling of, you know, we're, we're excited. Our, our fans is on their feet. They're excited as well. And what did we do to, to get to that? What 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 part what process did we do right for it to get to that moment? And um when you stay in that moment, you recognize that. And um you just gotta stay even kill. And again, Russell's play all year has been inconsistent, but he has been kind of one of those calming presences on the court. When as he goes, so go the wolves. And when he was off the court on uh on Thursday night, that was when a lot of things started to fall apart for them, especially in that fourth quarter. They had to bring him back probably even a little bit early as that run was just, you know, chipping away, chipping away, and then all of a sudden that lead was gone. Let's bring in Chip Scoggins now, Star Tribune columnist who had a lot of thoughts on the game as well. Chip, we both watched that happen. Um, I don't know if you could believe it if you hadn't seen it, but they lost two leads of 25 points or more as you start to think about how that happened where do you even begin to dissect the blame however you want to describe it uh, for, for how that transpired in this game yeah that, that is one of the most absurd score by quarter lines I think I've ever seen a basketball team 
39-12-32-12, which is almost impossible to do. Yeah, I told you it was like a locker combination, <laughs> more than the scoreline. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, it felt like four different games. Yeah. Great Wolves, bad Wolves. Great Wolves, but and, you know, their offense became stagnant. They started just jacking up threes. Um, Chris Finch, for whatever reason, during that long run, did not call a timeout. Carl Anthony Towns has another no-show performance, more fouls than shot attempts. Um, it was it'll go down in Minnesota lore as one of the big choke jobs of that we've seen. I mean, we've seen a lot of them in this state. Um, Granted, we have, but it it deserves mention in there because this is uh, you know I know I know they're new to the playoffs and I know it's the Timberwolves, but to play so well for two stretches and then just let it slip away like that was um and you could see it happening i mean you could just see when that thing when they started that fourth quarter memphis on that run and 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 the wolves couldn't make a shot and and towns is in foul trouble it just felt like this was going to happen now as troubling as the game itself was i mean the wolves had a very good chance to take a 2-1 series lead you know maybe start thinking about okay they can win this series if they go up 2-1 Bigger picture, how concerned are you right now with the history now of no-shows from Towns in, in the postseason? We he, we heard him talking post-game about he's just trying to make the right play, and yes, they they did get two big leads without him scoring. That said, like he he's fouling too much. He's still not contributing when he can contribute. How, how concerning is that to you? Well, I think it's a huge concern because at the end of the day, they lost this game, and he took four shots, and he's your best player, and I... He's not the first star player to be double teamed in NBA history. I'm sorry. You have to figure out a way to get him shots. And, you know, I think talking to some writers that have covered him, is they're so nervous about him being in the post because they send the double teams and he doesn't react, Towns doesn't react well to that. Well, when you put him out top, he's not taking those threes that he normally does. He's hesitating. I think it's in his head now. And he had the one good game in game one when, oh, by the way, they had Steven Adams, who cannot, who didn't play tonight, who can't be in this series because he, he's, he's such a poor matchup for Towns. Um, they went to the script that we saw the Clippers use in the play-in game where they're using smaller guys or sending double teams, and he's just flustered now. And, and that's great that he's swinging the ball and, in his words, making the right play to get the guys, but they don't need Towns to be a facilitator for however long. He needs to, one, stay out of foul trouble. That's the biggest thing is, like, he's not on the floor when they need him. Mm-hmm. And then, two, you have to figure out ways to create shots for him and get him in situations where, yes, he's going to get doubled, but you have to go quicker. I mean, they, he has to either shoot the shot quicker or get in a post and go quick with it um, because he's just – I mean, they are swarming when he gets it and he's holding it. And this is what – in the last two games, he's taken 11 shots. Your best player. I mean, that's just not that's not going to work. No, and that's on top of the you know the no show against the Clippers in the playing game, which the Wolves managed to win without him. But most games when Carlton Towns is not producing, you're going to be in trouble. And again, this game was a little bit different because they did build such a big lead. But I think to your point, you can build a big lead when when Towns is is not maybe scoring as much when he's distributing, facilitating whatever he's doing. You get in that fourth quarter, though, and he's got a chance at the very end to affect the game when he comes back in, and he's still not really asserting himself anyway. That, that's just a concern to me. He just seems like the moment, whatever it is, is 
is maybe a little too big for him, and that's a hard thing to say because he hasn't had too many moments yet, but it's what it's what it feels like. Well, and, and they got that big lead, and it felt like everything was going right. Defensively, offensively, Pat Beverly was an offensive scorer all of a sudden. Yeah, when those shots start to dry up and Memphis tightens up their defense and they're making a run, now you're asking those guys to make shots in pressure situations. And, I mean, I think Pat Beverly missed two there, um, you know, in the fourth quarter, and other guys missed them too. And, and it's just you're asking lesser players to take important shots. <laughs> and so, I, you know, you could tell me that you're being a facilitator and all that, but um, the biggest thing is is these – Fouls, particularly the offensive fouls that are just kind of needless and senseless, are disrupting him in the same way that the, the way he's being defended too. And so he's just completely out of sorts in this series. And I don't know how they get him back because the defense—they know what they're going to do. They're going to run at him now, and, and so it's um, it's on Chris Finch, it's on you know Towns, and it's on his teammates. They've got to get him more involved in game four because this, this formula is not going to work where he's on the bench a lot, and when he's out there, he's not taking shots. I want to get to Finch in a minute, and then we'll wrap up. Um, but Towns, interesting post game when he started to get asked about the four-shot attempts by being John Krasinski from The Athletic, he said, next question, and moved right on. Is that a, you think that's frustration on his part? What, what did you gather from that? Because that was curious to yeah, me. Yeah, it was, it was obviously we're all going to speculate, is he mad at not getting enough shots is he mad at what you know he clearly I mean obviously the loss they're upset but he was agitated tonight in the post game and uh he was circled back with a question about how he said yeah you're making the right play but how do you balance it when guys aren't making shots and you know he said you know he's still got to make the right play and and try to you know help the team win however it is I don't I don't know what if he's frustrated with um if he feels like he's getting fouled in those situations, if he feels like they're letting him beat him up a little bit, is he mad at, you know, the scheme? Is he mad at, you know, himself? I, I don't know, but it was um, clearly on his mind. He's clearly bothered. For him to say next question, uh, something's eating at him. For a lot of this game, Chris Finch looked like a genius. I mean, being able to coordinate, you know, a point where they got big leads, um, but – did not call timeout during that big Memphis run. I think getting rightfully criticized for that and maybe for not being able to kind of coach them out of whatever rut they were in. And, you know, players play. He can only do so much with a team that, frankly, has some problems with immaturity sometimes. But what did you think of that decision by him to to, to save those timeouts or not call timeout during that stretch? Yeah, he had said he called some timeouts earlier, and he was hoping his team would be able to work itself out of it. But when it's not happening, you got to call the timeout. I mean, they weren't working themselves out of it, and it just kept their lead kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And 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 you could tell um, they were getting tight. I mean, the shots they were taking just were not in the shots that we saw early in the game when they were driving and kicking. It was, um, you know, just kind of it felt chaotic on their offense, and so that's where they needed a, a steady hand. I think in hindsight, he'll probably look back and say, obviously, I should have called a timeout earlier to try to stem the tide and, and regroup. Um, so it was, a, it was a mistake on his part, too. I think Memphis wins this series in five now. I don't know. I, they said all the right things tonight about coming back from this and staying together and you know persevering. But, man, how do you come back from this? How do you come out Saturday night and 
you know, put together four quarters and, and, and even this series of two. Well, and the thing is, is John Morant did not play well tonight. I mean, he, he shot, you know, he, I don't know what he wound up with, 18 points or whatever, but six turnovers, six, seven turnovers. Um, you know, he, they, now they're doing a good job of him when he gets into lane of swarming on him and making it tough on him, but he didn't shoot a very high percentage. It was the, you know, Clark. I thought Tyus Jones had huge minutes huge in the second half. Um, the rebounding, uh, the way Memphis did. And so they're a good team. They're, you know. They're, we're seeing why they were the number two seed because they can beat you in different ways. They're tough um, defensively. They can score in different ways, and you got to feel like Jaw's going to look at his performance tonight and say, "I have to be a lot better or more efficient shooting the ball." And so, you never know how a team's going to react after a loss like this. I mean, this was this was epic. I mean, they Pat Beverly and D'Angelo Russell tried to put a brave face on it and say, "You know, we're going to move on and all that." I don't. I think that's probably easier said than done when you played so well for two stretches and to blow this. Um, it, it could linger in, and it's a quick turnaround to, to Saturday. So, yeah, it's – I mean, they've lost home court advantage again, and so now it's, you know um, – if they don't get Towns going, I don't – I mean, they're not going to win a series. They're going to have to figure out a way that he's going to have to be more of a impact on offense, you know, on the offensive end than what he's given them. So, where do they go from here? I mean – I don't know. Sports are weird, right? We, we think about momentum one way as writers, you as fans. Um, we think about momen- momentum as being this kind of thing that carries over from game to game. I don't think athletes always think that way. I think athletes have much shorter memories than we do. You could sense that from, you know, Patrick Beverly talking post game just about, you know, hey, it's just a game of runs. Um, you know, Memphis got the got the last one, and we, you know we can learn from this. It's hard, but you know it never, it never said it's going to be easy. Things like that. We need to go back out and you know build on the good things we were doing in this game because it is possible. And maybe that's true. I'm I'm willing to watch Saturday and see what happens if somehow the Wolves are able to come out and give a four quarter professional effort and win Saturday night. This is certainly still a series. Right now, to me, though, it feels like something that's going to end in five games. If I had to pick a most likely scenario in Saturday's game, it's going to be a team that is emotionally flat, a crowd that is ready to watch some things, some good things happen, but is also ready to get awfully quiet when bad things happen. So I don't know. We will see what happens in the game Saturday night, but I'm imagining it going one direction, and I will be pleasantly surprised if it goes a different direction for the Wolves. Big picture, what does this mean? I don't know. It's it's just one step along what they hope is a journey, but also some concerning signs emerging, continuing in this postseason. Carl Anthony Towns absolutely needs to have a better second half of this series than he's had a first half. He was bad against the Clippers. He was bad in that first playoff series against Houston four years ago. And outside of game one, he's been bad in this series in long stretches. That cannot happen for one of your cornerstone players. He needs to show the team something different. He needs to show me something different in these next two games at least to make me think that he is going to be ready for the next playoff series. That will do it for me today. We went all Wolves. Yes, I'm aware the Twins won 1-0. Joe Ryan pitched very well. Yes, I'm aware the Wild won 6-3. Got themselves into slightly better playoff position, but 
all anybody is talking about right now is that Wolves game. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about on Monday coming off of Game 4 at Target Center, talking to Patrick Royce about that one. Read all of our coverage. Start Tribune, StartTribune.com. I'll have some written stuff on Friday morning, but so will so many other colleagues of mine. Wall-to-wall coverage of what happened Thursday night. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. We'll catch you again on Monday.